Okay, good to have each one of you here this morning for our Sunday morning Bible class period. If you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you. Come back anytime you can. So uh, we are studying, as you can see there on the front of the book, uh, we're going to be studying for the summer quarter, Peter's Epistles. How many? Two. First and second Peter will be our study for this quarter. This should be a, a good and interesting and a profitable study. About half the quarter is going to be on First Peter, and then the second half roughly will be on uh, the letter of Second Peter. So open your books up to about the third, second or third page, third page in the book. And there's a kind of an introduction page there called Peter's Epistles. And we'll look at that first, kind of introduce us to the study for this quarter. Introduction there says that one commentator makes the point there, he says, of all the New Testament books, 1 Peter, he says, is the what? Easiest for modern man to read, and there may be some, some, some truth in that. That may very well be true. Um, goes on to say that Peter, in his, in his two letters, puts a lot of emphasis on the coming of persecution. Um, of course, he had experienced that throughout his life, a great deal of it. And he goes on there to make the point that some of Peter's persecution was persecution that he brought on himself. How did he do that sometimes? He often spoke, he made the mistake that a lot of people sometimes do, and all of us do it at times. He, he spoke before he gave too much thought to it. Um, his outspoken nature was brought him some persecution. Uh, he goes on to say other persecutions came from outside forces that he had no real control over. He says there it's possible to read 1 Peter and connect some of his warnings in that letter with specific events that happen in Peter's life. And then he gives an example or two. He says, for example, when he warns us not to be ashamed for our suffering for the cause of Christ, what event in his life might he have been thinking about when he gave that warning? His three denials of Christ, um, the night, painful night when he denied Jesus three times, and then of course we remember that after he did that, what was his reaction? And then he repented of what he had done, he was had, had great, great, great sorrow for what he had done, was ashamed of his behavior. So that affected what he wrote 
in places in, in these letters. When he describes being on the holy mountain, what experience, what uh, event in his life uh, might have caused him to mention that? He was there at the transfiguration of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, with James and John. Peter, James, and John were there. Uh, and that was surely a tremendous, unforgettable experience for Peter. Um, says, even then, though, Peter could not be silent. Um, you may remember it uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter spoke up, and he made a comment, a statement, um, and uh, he really at that point did not understand, and the text says in Luke 9 that he did not know what he was saying. What was the comment he made? Commentary doesn't mention it. Let's build a tabernacle for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And uh, commentary, though, the text there points out. That, right. Hear ye him, Jesus alone. Right. Right. So that was another case where Peter spoke up there without giving too much thought to what he was actually saying. In his second letter, in 2 Peter, um, as we study that, we'll get to that later on in the quarter, um, some of that letter deals with Peter uh, anticipating and thinking about his own death. Uh, in John 21, Jesus had predicted his death and had even given him kind of a clue as to how he would die. Uh, Congregation of Zions asked me to speak one night during their VBS and the series that they're using, every lesson is on Peter. The whole series is on Peter. And so the lesson that I'm using on that night, I, I'm gonna deal some with uh, what happens there in John 21 uh, with Jesus uh, predicting Peter's death. So it goes on to say there in the commentary down there at the bottom, Peter's conduct uh, gave him plenty of subject matter to address in those two letters. Um, and we'll see that as we, as we go through First and Second Peter. So anybody have any comments or questions there about that introduction on that page, Peter's epistles? All right, then flip over to lesson one on page one in your books. Uh, introductions is the title. And the text today that we're going to be looking at is 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be reading and studying about verses 1 through 12 in the text. Benny read the first eight verses. So flip over to... Um, and then 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4 is part of the text on the next page. Flip over to page 3 and let's look at the introduction. And then we'll get into the text today and study it. 
introduction there begins by, by telling us that <clears throat> few characters in the Bible are probably more well-known and probably no more beloved than the Apostle Peter is. Uh, John chapter 1 has the account of Peter being introduced to Jesus, Peter first meeting Jesus in that chapter. And you may remember, of course, Peter's brother was who? Andrew. Andrew. Uh, what, is, what is one of the kind of notable characteristics of Andrew? Okay, he brought Peter to Christ, and he is kind of known for bringing others to Christ. And he did that with his brother Peter. So uh, his brother Andrew had said to him, uh, he made the statement, we have found the Messiah, there in verse 41 of, of uh, John 1. Uh, but he goes on to say there in the commentary, identifying the Messiah who he was, that was not enough for Peter. And of course we remember that Jesus then spoke and gave Peter and Andrew what invitation? Follow me, because they were fishermen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. Not just fishers of fish, fishers of men, catching men. Um, and so Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets, left the fishing trade, and followed him. So we see there in those passages the great faith that Peter had in Christ. Um, he not only looked, it says, for the promised Messiah, but he also did what? Follow. He followed him not after waiting a while to give it some thought, immediately. Immediately, he, when he had the chance, the opportunity, he followed Christ. So then, of course, Peter was selected by Jesus. Mark 3 has uh, mention of that as an apostle. And he became kind of a natural what? Natural leader among the apostles. And uh, a lot of that had to do, again, with his outspoken nature. He was um, quick to speak up, uh, sometimes too quick. And uh, since that is seen in the way he often spoke for the other apostles. For example, when Jesus asked the apostles in Matthew 16, we have the account of Jesus asking the apostles about who he was, <clears throat> and that happened at Caesarea Philippi, Peter boldly confessed, made what confession? What did he say? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He spoke up before anybody else in the group did. When Jesus asked the apostles whether they would continue to follow him in John 6, Peter again spoke up, reaffirmed their allegiance, and he said, Lord, what? Who are we going to go to? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, son of the living God. So Peter was quick to affirm and make those great confessions of who Jesus was. And that's certainly commendable. So Peter had a very close relationship with Jesus. Now at times Jesus had to rebuke him. But uh, he had a good relationship with Jesus, close relationship. Uh, he goes on to mention that Peter was there with Jesus when Jesus healed the daughter of Jairus from the dead. Uh, he was also there when Jesus was transfigured, as we mentioned. Um, before the crucifixion, Peter responded to Jesus' prediction of betrayal. We remember this, Jesus predicted that he would be betrayed. Uh, and what was Peter's quick reaction to that? He was quick again to speak up. Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. He was quick to declare his loyalty and his allegiance to Jesus. And then he adds there, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. But of course we know that those bold statements, courageous statements, what happened to them? Kind of went by the wayside there when the pressure was on. That's it. That's a good point. Right. Uh, Peter, Peter was sincere at that point in his defense of Jesus because in the Garden of Gethsemane, we remember, the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. And what did Peter do? Cut off the ear of the high priest servant named Malchus uh, in defense of Jesus. So he was very sincere, but then a little later, he, he fell away. He was human. He fell away. His fears got the best of him. And uh, it says there, Mark 14, 50, Peter eventually forsook him and fled after those denials. He denied Jesus three times on the evening of his betrayal. But as we say it later, he repented, uh, had a great deal of sorrow for what he had done, uh, wept bitterly, and he reaffirmed his love for Jesus. And actually he becomes even more what? More dedicated. More loyal and more dedicated to the Lord. Um... Uh, because we know Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to the disciples, a, a great number of them, including Peter. And Peter had seen the risen Lord, the resurrected Lord, and after that, his faith never weakened, never wavered. He sometimes, it says, had lapses in judgment, but uh, he remained strong and courageous, became a leader, of course, in the early church. Um, commentary there doesn't mention, here at this point, uh, one of the great things Peter did as an early leader in the church. What was it? The great sermon. The 
great sermon on the day of Pentecost, uh, when the church began in Acts 2, Peter preached that sermon. Uh, then became a leader in the early church, worked to encourage uh, brethren in the church who were being persecuted to stay faithful. Uh, so he did write two New Testament letters that we have today, and so Peter says sought to remind the brethren of important truths that he believed they should, should know, be aware of. Do anybody have any comments or questions there on the introduction to the lesson text? All right then, let's look at the text today. Then uh, he read one through eight, so we'll not go back and read those verses, but we'll read the rest of it when we get to it, save a little time. Uh, so look there at section First section on page four down there at the bottom on verses one through five in the text, the pilgrims and the begotten. So Peter introduces himself in both of his letters. He begins by introducing himself uh, as the writer and he calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that made his writings, his message authoritative because it was actually whose message? He was inspired. It was the message of Christ. It wasn't from Peter. He was just passing it on, you might say. So verse 1 there that we read, he wrote uh, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And the commentator there mentions, of course, that pilgrims uh, could also be translated in other versions as strangers and exiles and aliens. Uh, God's people are pilgrims. How are we pilgrims? We're passing through this life uh, in anticipation of a much greater life. Pilgrims, sojourners, and exiles on this earth. So uh, the people there that he's referring to, that he's writing to, of course, they were people who had been scattered. Why had they been scattered? Persecution. Persecution, Persecution came to the Christians there in Jerusalem, and they were scattered uh, in the regions about, surrounding the area, uh, scattered throughout the Roman provinces in Asia Minor. He says there it's possible that Peter was writing and addressing some who had responded to his sermon, his preaching on the day of Pentecost. That's very possible. He goes on there to point out uh, down there toward the bottom on page 5 that uh, after his opening remarks here in the text, uh, he praises God there in verses 3 through 5 that we read for the wonderful plan of salvation that God had provided. He refers there in the text to a living hope that we have through what? What's our hope? Christ. Resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ from the dead provides a living hope for all of us to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Reserve where? In heaven, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith. 
for salvation to be ready, ready to be revealed in the last time. So what Peter said there to his, his audience, his readers, that's still true, just as true for us today. Because of God's grace and God's mercy, we have the chance, as he says there at the bottom, to be born again. Next page there at the top mentions that because Christ is living today at the right hand of God, uh, verse 3 in 1 Peter 1, uh, he mentions the hope attached to this new birth is described as living. Um, the inheritance that, inheritance that awaits God's children is not subject to decline or decay. Verse 4 says it is reserved, as we said, for us in heaven. And verse 5 that we read, it will be revealed when? The last days, the last time. And that's a reference, of course, to when the Lord returns and the righteous and the wicked will be separated. Do you might have any thoughts there, comments about 1 through 5, the commentary on those verses? All right, then, let's look at uh, joy and grief there on page 6. Commentary there uh, begins by saying, according to Peter, his audience had reasons to greatly rejoice. Why did they have reasons to rejoice? Because of the hope of salvation through Christ and the hope of a better home. Absolutely. Same reason we have reason to rejoice today, because of the hope of salvation that we have in Christ, uh, Christ's resurrection, their inheritance. Um, but he goes on to point out, of course, their lives uh, were difficult, uh, not free from difficulty. They were persecuted. They were grieved by various, various trials, verse 6 says. And so he's there, he's there referring to persecutions. He wrote to encourage the scattered Christians to maintain faith, keep the faith in the midst of their trials, and he reminds them the trials can actually, what? They're difficult, but they can actually, what, Benny? They can actually bring about good. Good can result, even in our lives today, from difficulties. It makes us stronger. Absolutely. We're going to get into that here a little more in the commentary. Um, Peter told his readers that faith, their faith was being tested. Uh, he describes how their faith in their persecutions was being tested. Tested by what? Fire. By fire. Tested by fire. And he makes reference there to metal being refined in a fire. Um, what's the process there when metal is refined in a fire? What happens? takes out the impurities in the metal uh, and it makes the metal stronger without the impurities in the metal and the same thing happens when we have trials. The trials can burn away any impurities in a person's faith and then what is left is often purified genuine faith. So 
good can result from trials and tribulations that, that we have. He says the Christians that Peter wrote to needed to rejoice in Christ uh, in spite of their trials because of the good that could result. And those who did that, he says, would rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, uh, receiving the end of their faith. And the end of their faith and the end of our faith is what? Salvation of our souls in heaven. So any comments there about that section on joy and grief, verses 6 through 9? You know, when you look back at all that, the whole theme of 1 Peter is dealing with persecution it is. Really. Of, of Christians. You go back to verse 1, that dispersion, a lot of them were scattered because of the persecution, but they were falling away from what would get them to heaven. And Peter reminds them there right. in those first few verses. Right. Those are good points. That's true. Absolutely. All right, let's look at 10 through 12. we got to move on here. Um, and let's read 10 through 12. Uh, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand, sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angel, angels desire to look into. Uh, look at uh, commentary there at the bottom of seven, inquiring prophets, and we'll quickly look at this. Um, so the salvation that Peter described there to his readers uh, he makes the point there, it was revealed gradually, of course, throughout the scriptures. It wasn't revealed just in one big chunk at one time. It was gradual. Old Testament prophets anticipated the Messiah. Of course, they did not know all the details of God's plan at that point. But he goes on to mention that they were especially interested in the timing of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow there in verse 11. Uh, he says, they revealed only what they could at that point about salvation, but neither the prophets or the angels had a complete understanding of what? God's plan to save man until it actually happened through Christ. God's plan to, to save man before it was fully revealed with the coming of Christ. But he, then he makes the point that Christians have the ability to not only know God's plan, and how do we know God's plan? to us in his word we can we can know God's plan and we can also benefit we ought to benefit from it so he says no wonder Peter sought to praise God for his plan of salvation it is a plan worth knowing it is a plan worth suffering for those are good statements 
Uh, let's read 1 through 4 uh, in 2 Peter 1, and then we'll wind up here in just a few moments. 2 Peter 1, there on page 2, 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained light precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So look quickly at, there on page 8, precious promises. So uh, there in verse 1, Peter is writing to those who have obtained, he says, like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God our Savior Jesus Christ. He was an apostle, of course, but he was also what? A bondservant of Christ. He was a fellow Christian. And Wayne Jackson notes there, Peter, in his writings, uh, in his actions, does not elevate himself above others. That was a good characteristic he had. Uh, common greeting of grace and peace there uh, is found often in the New Testament epistles that he makes. And next page there at the top, nine, good statement. In other words, true grace and peace are found only where? True grace and peace are found only in an obedient relationship with God and with Christ. And it goes on to say that's true because God has provided us, as we read there, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and by virtue. So he says there, we obey what we learn in order to escape the corruption there in verse 4 that is in the world through lust. You might have any thoughts or questions or comments there about the, the lesson, the text. We got through it quickly. You can look at the applications there yourself and the questions. There's about eight questions. I think we've covered the answers to, but it's probably about time for us to, to stop. So let's close today with a prayer. Father, we're thankful this morning for our period of Bible study here together. Father, we pray that we've gained much in our study from the lesson this morning. And Father, help us to put into practice in our lives always the things that we learn and, and gain from our studies together. Father, be with us in our worship period today. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Be with us through this Lord's Day and throughout the coming week and the rest of our lives. Bless those this morning, Father, who cannot be here due to illness, others that we know of that are sick. Bless those that are in sorrow because of the loss of their loved ones. Be with us, Lord, in these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name.